Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in the Sunnydale Stacks. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week, we're dusting off School Hard and Inca Mummy Girl. Firstly, though, I'd like to welcome our guest host for this week, Chris. Hello. Welcome. Uh, Our listeners may know Chris from his own podcast, Hey, Do You Remember? You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Hey, Do You Remember? is a show where me and my friends Donna and Carlos pick a movie or TV series that we grew up with. We share our memories of it, and then we rewatch it and see how it holds up. It's an excellent podcast, and our listener listeners should totally check it out. Our listeners may also be really excited to know that this podcast was entirely Chris's idea. Well, not I mean, indirectly. But if it weren't for Chris encouraging us to do a, a Buffy podcast and really supporting that, the Sunnydale Stacks would not exist. Well, I'm sure your listeners know, and I'm, I, I know that, hey, do you remember listeners have heard this story, just that we, how this got started was, mm-hmm. you've, you've told that story already? We have not. Oh, well, not we, tried to, we tried to record an episode of Hey, Do You Remember that was about the Buffy TV series, and it just went on for like six hours. <laughs> and so I was like, well, maybe, maybe just make this its own show. Kristen obviously had a lot to say about it, so... Uh, so Chris has been really helpful in getting our podcast off the ground. And I think Mike and I would like to take this opportunity to in person to say thank you. Yes. If it weren't for you, we, this, we wouldn't have a podcast. We wouldn't have a website. I'm, I'm more than happy to help. I think this is a really, a really good show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I normally don't travel this far just to record a <laughs> podcast, but I made an exception for you. I walked all the way from that room to this room. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, so as an introduction to our fans, Chris, can you tell us how you became a Buffy fan? Absolutely. So one of the things that I I like about Buffy and Angel and just Joss Whedon in general is that this is one of the first things you and I bonded over. The very first shift we ever worked together at Starbucks, Yeah. this was like the first topic we hit upon that it was like, oh, common ground. You're a Buffy fan. And then, yeah, and that's... And I remember you telling me that you were you were just kind of a bigger fan of Angel. At the time, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I, I was at first... I got into Angel first and then, like, backdoored into Buffy. It was very odd. Like, I, it's, it's a more, like, guy-friendly show when you're younger. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. I think part of it, too, was because... Like, I, I watched Buffy as it, you know, when it first started airing and then got into Angel... And I think what happened was because I wasn't totally crazy. I watched Buffy right to the end. I remember, mm-hmm. like, you know, all of season seven, even though I didn't like it that much. As season seven was winding down, I was just feeling a little unsatisfied. And Angel was in, that would have been season four of Angel. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody hates season four of Angel. I was really into it at the time. And like, and so I think I was just more excited about Angel. And then like, and then so that's where I left things. That's how I remembered mm-hmm. it. it was just like, Angel kind of finished really strong and Buffy sort of petered out at the end. And I hadn't rewatched it at that point. So when we started working together and talking about it, my memory at that point would have been Angel was the better show, yeah. which I, I don't know. I'm not sure I, I can say that definitively at this point. I, I think my favorite season of a Buffy-verse show is the last season of Angel. Okay. I feel like overall that's just such a strong season of television and like almost every episode is like, 
one of my favorite episodes of Angel. Okay, cool. And there's really no Buffy season that can absolutely say that. There's definitely better ones. Right. Um, and far worse ones. But, like, that last season of Angel is maybe, like, one or two episodes that I don't like, that I can't watch at any time. Hmm. <laughs> the look on Kristen's face. This <laughs> heresy. <laughs> I feel like she's going to pull a stake. Well, after we, so we rewatched the whole, all of Buffy, like, mm-hmm. a, a year ago. And I, and going through it again, and especially, you know, binge watching it, essentially, mm-hmm. which was not something I'd ever done before, I had a much greater appreciation. Like, I have always loved Buffy, and I knew I loved it, but... I had a much greater appreciation for it after that, where it suddenly got very murky for me of like, I don't know if I could pick a favorite. Yeah. I don't know if I could say which one's better. There was, there was a whole lot about, about Buffy that I was sort of like, I, this might be more my speed at this point. I don't mm. know. But, but I actually uh, misspoke on the first, our first episode because I had, I was talking about new fans mm. and accidentally looped Chris in, which is not true. You were actually a fan when it was on the air. Well, I think the point you were, trying to make, if I'm remembering this correctly, the way it sounded to me was like, and and I think this is a really good point, and it kind of ties into something I know you've been, you've talked about with people on social media. I don't know if it's come up on the show yet. The idea of like, if you're just getting into Buffy, the issue of like, is there a better place to start than season Mm -hmm. one? Right. So I think what you were saying and what makes a lot of sense was that, you know, season one is a little bit of a hurdle if you if you're brand new to this whole thing. And even for people that already loved Buffy, like you and me, you know, when we went to rewatch it all, season one was challenging for me. Like mm-hmm. I was starting to yeah. check out even though I'd seen a lot of it already. And even though I knew I was on board, mm-hmm. it yeah. was still kind of a slog. So I think what you were trying to say is doubly so if you're brand new to it. Exactly. Yeah. And when you and I rewatched it, it was almost like an episode of Haiti. Remember, like we took off the rose colored glasses, like, Oh, this is rough. Yeah. It's rough to get well, through. So can I say that I, I remember the night Buffy premiered, it was a mid season replacement and I was over at my grandparents' house. My sister wanted to, watch it so we all sat down to check this thing out my dad my stepmom my grandma and grandpa and everybody was sort of like taking shots at it and you know making fun of it and i was so ready to to mst3k this thing because (laughs) i had not been crazy about the movie and i and so even though the ads were very like they were trying really hard to make sure you understood this is not the movie this is a whole different thing Mm -hmm. even still i just i i'm not sure i expected to get much out of it and so everyone's kind of making fun of it. And like, I think maybe 20, 30 minutes in, I, if even that, I kind of feeling like, Oh shit, I think I like this. <laughs> and, and like, you know, but everybody's, you know, making fun of it. And I was sort of like, Oh yeah, that's so stupid, right? What night is this going to be on? <laughs> and, and one by one, everybody started leaving the room till it was just me and my sister. And by the end of it, yeah. I think even she had kind of checked out of it a little bit. So I wouldn't say I thought the pilot was good i knew it wasn't like even at the time but i was so intrigued by where they were going with all yeah, of this that what it, they were trying to set up yeah was that's, really interesting. that's what had me and i was always a big sci-fi horror comic book kid and so there was just there was a lot about the show that was right up my alley and because even though it was funny it was honoring those other elements in a way that the movie hadn't like yeah. the right. movie was just a comedy yeah. and that was kind of it and the show the show had a whole other other aspect to it so that was very intriguing to me the main thing though was that i liked this version of buffy summers yeah. i liked that mm. they didn't treat having a female main character like it was a novelty or mm. a, a gimmick you know buffy in the movie is kind of a cartoon which is sort of the tone of the thing i don't mean to yeah. shit on the movie too much i mean that's just that's for better or worse that's what they were trying to do it's definitely but, goofy yeah, yeah. and this Buffy, TV Buffy, felt like an actual person. And so that's the other thing that really grabbed me. And the thing about, like, 
you know, Joss's sense of humor and his sensibilities, we just kind of expect it now. We've grown so mm. accustomed to it that, like, now you watch something and you go, like, oh, that was so Joss. Yeah. And you still appreciate it, but but it's different that you forget what an impact that has on you the first time you're experiencing mm. it. And this was, you know, the premiere of the show was definitely the first time. This is Joss's voice, unfiltered, no compromises, yeah. like... Wow, this is really different. This is really fresh. This is this feels very cool. And it was also kind of like right before kind of the nerd revolution where like it kind of became cool yeah. to be nerdy and geeky and out about that stuff to right. everybody, like with the rise of the internet, where it was just like just on the other side of that where like kind of had to be a little bit under the radar as a Buffy fan, Absolutely. which is a, another interesting aspect of it. There, yeah, Star Trek, X-Files, and and Buffy were the kind of the things I sort of had to keep on the DL in yeah. high school. Just mm-hmm. like my friends would probably make fun of me if they knew yeah. I was watching this stuff. And it was never, even though I was, I, I did like it, and I, I stuck with it, even though my sister was pretty much out after that first episode, yeah. and I still kept watching it. It was never appointment television for me, only because... I think high school was sort of like, once you get your driver's license, mm-hmm. everything is about yeah. getting out yeah, of the house bye. and all of that freedom. <laughs> and this is pre-TiVo and DVR and yeah. on demand and all that. So if you missed it, you missed it. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been the only reason, you know, I was I was not seeing certain episodes. But that was the other cool thing about rewatching it was realizing like, oh, I was a way bigger loser in high school than I realized. <laughs> yeah. Because I have seen almost <laughs> all of these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then just two other things I want to mention really quickly. Two other things I really love about Buffy. The first is that this was my introduction to Joss Whedon, obviously. And in terms of my own personal Mount Rushmore of influential people, Mm. his face is definitely on it. And so, you know, this show always will hold a special place in my heart for that reason. Um, And from a screenwriting standpoint, the other thing that's really interesting is that uh, this is one of the first shows where the writers were celebrities, too. Mm. You know, like nowadays, everyone knows, you know, Vince Gilligan is synonymous with Breaking Bad. Everyone knows Matt Weiner is Mm. behind Mad Men. Before, like, the rise of original cable programming and all that stuff, that just really wasn't the case. But with Buffy, names like Jane Espenson, David Fury, Marty Noxon, these people became as important to us fans Mm. as, like, the core cast did. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah, you'd wait to see, like, when you're watching the credits, you'd wait to see that pop up of... Like, oh, this is a David Greenwald episode. Okay, this will be interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, and then the second thing is that Buffy grew up with me. She was a sophomore when I was a sophomore. She graduated when I graduated. She went to college when I went to college. She dropped out of college when I dropped out of college. Wow. And that whole thing about, you know, her trying to figure out what she was going to do next, that really coincided with me having to make those same types of decisions. Like, I was just, I was going through the same thing before I ultimately decided to go back to school. But I just, I... I just kind of, it was weird when, even though I wasn't crazy about season seven, I remember the night of the series finale. I remember making sure I got home in time to see it. And when it was over, the episode didn't make me particularly emotional. It had certain moments, but at the time, Mm. honestly, I was pretty let down by by the finale. But there was still, like, it was just, it was so weird to just kind of let it sink in that it, like... That's over. Like for, yeah. you know, since high yeah. school, Buffy's been with me. Like I know I can just check on, check in on mm-hmm. her and the Scooby gang and they'll kind of be in a similar <laughs> place that I'm yeah. at. And now it's like, well, it's a brave new world. I'm all on my own now. I just want to clarify, you didn't drop out of college because Buffy dropped out of college. Right? <laughs> that was pretty much it. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, Buffy's out. I'm out to fuck this. <laughs> she doesn't need books. I don't need books. Um, 
But yeah, so I've always remembered it very fondly. Rewatching it all really cemented how much I love the show. Seasons two and three in in particular. And you know what? Fuck it. I like season six too. I will defend season six all oh, day. Oh, I love season six. Uh, come at us, yeah. haters. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> come at us, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know there are a lot of episodes that I sort of giggled through. Sure. And, and some of it, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't quite hold up. But overall, I think this series is a, a really incredible achievement. And uh, you'll never have to twist my arm to get me to rewatch it or talk about Excellent. it. Excellent. Let's start right after we're done recording this. We'll marathon them again. I'm all about it. Awesome. So now let's head into the Sunnydale stacks and open the books on School Hard. As School Hard opens... Buffy's in trouble again. Principal Snyder has gathered the two students with the worst reputations in the into his office, Buffy and Sheila. I like the visual gag here. Mm-hmm. You've got like rough looking Sheila. She looks a little punk rock mm-hmm. um, next to cute little Buffy who's actually wearing a sparkly little tank top mm-hmm. and his big doe eyes, like mm-hmm. just looking as innocent as can be. But Sheila's in trouble for stabbing her horticulture teacher with pruning shears. Why hasn't she been expelled <laughs> in jail? This is a little bit more serious than the high school principal. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, and Buffy, like, I get she, like, she gets in what he, the school thinks is just her fighting and, yep. like, cutting class, which, yeah, that mm-hmm. would get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. But it is nowhere near stabbing your teacher. Like, if this is a competition, Sheila won. Right, yeah. Over. She just yeah. won. <laughs> well, maybe it's there's just different standards in Sunnydale because everyone's dying all the time. Like, <laughs> stabbing isn't really that big of a deal. You've probably gotten stabbed once or twice this year. <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's yesterday's news. Not to mention, like... Principal Snyder criticizes Buffy for burning down the school. That didn't even happen at yeah, this school. Yeah. school. That's fascist. Well, well uh, I think they're referring to the science building from some assembly required. Oh. Because uh, oh. then there's a joke about, like, you burnt down a school building. Well, actually, not just one. Because she burned down the school and then the, the science building. You're kind of blowing my mind right now. <laughs> I always just assumed that in the mythical mm-hmm. prequel to the series, Buffy burnt down her school in L.A. twice. Or had mm. to do it twice to get rid mm. of the vampires. So you're kind of blowing my mind. I never <laughs> realized that was an allusion to yeah, the someone suddenly required. All right. That didn't so, that's it didn't even occur to me watching this yeah. that like the that part and the part where the girl stabbed somebody. I don't know why. I was doing <laughs> I, maybe I had some buffering issues on Netflix initially, where I was just I maybe missed the first couple of minutes because like if I'm Buffy sitting there and he's breaking down why yeah. you're the two of you are here. She's like, hold up. Yeah. She stabbed someone. Your barometer is fucked. I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah. Like, why is you think even... I may have started a fire. You know she stabbed That's a person. Right. A teacher. <laughs> yeah. Also, horticulture class. She's got a horticulture class we that did. she's going to. You had a horticulture class. We did. I didn't what? have it, but my school. Did. Yeah, we had like a greenhouse and fancy. Everything. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Did you go to the school in like the house from Clue? That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Big mansion, a lot of murders. <laughs> So that's maybe the other reason why oh, yeah. the stabbing. It's just like, oh, sure, stabbings. <laughs> Have you guys mentioned that the guy, that pl- Principal Snyder, who yeah, I love. Armin Armin Yeah, Quark from DS9. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
No, it's, yeah. It's, I don't think it's come up, but yeah. I can't not think of Quark when I when I see this guy. Have you ever seen, there's a, I think it's a Regis and uh, Kathy Lee interview where they interview him in character. <laughs> no. Oh! It's YouTube at some time. Okay. It's insane. Because um, at one point, because I guess it's something in Star Trek, I'm not the biggest Trekkie, sorry guys. But there's something with the uh, uh, his race where their ears are very sensitive, sexually. And okay. Regis basically is like, Turning him on and like oh he, my, he, he gets real close to like something you can't do on morning television, <laughs> and it's just the weirdest thing in the world. It's uh, look it up on I'm YouTube. Look it up. Wow. You know. <laughs> so see some other fine Armin Shimmerman acting. So parent teacher night is coming up, and as punishment, Sheila and Buffy have to run refreshments and decorations. Otherwise, they'll uh, they'll be expelled. Uh, so I also like this gag that Xander thinks that parent-teacher night is going to be a piece of cake, mm-hmm. as long as nothing bad happens. Slash cut to <laughs> Spike running over the Welcome to Hellmouth sign, mm. our first introduction mm-hmm. to him. And uh, in response to, it, I figure it was last week or maybe the week before, we were talking about, um, we've got to uh, check the population on the Sunnydale sign, which I did. Okay. It's 38,500. So I mean it's a, it's a fairly big town like a, like a like a you know mid-sized yeah. suburb maybe okay um, which will maybe explain why they have a giant museum in the next episode yeah um, yeah wait this has come up before they had something else that you were the like, zoo they, they had the, the zoo, zoo. Right, the zoo um, yeah. did we establish pack. also whether or not there's an airport in Sunnydale I, I don't think we were ever conclusive about the airport we know there's a a large college a zoo and now a museum in okay. uh, a town roughly the size of Lombard. Um, so i'm not sure i i I think my my biggest theory about this is that it's since it's a college town maybe that's why it has those things like maybe it has yeah zoological and historical archaeology department that are pretty big there maybe that would make sense of why they have those two things i can buy that yeah before before we get into the spike reveal which is we obviously Mm -hmm. need to to discuss, can I? I don't know if you've been like tracking the fashion on this show. <laughs> a little bit, a little but bit. But the, so the scene where she's talking to Xander and Willow. Okay, so the, with Willow, she's wearing the overalls. It made me think how obsessed yeah. I was with getting a pair of overalls. Like that was a re- there was a hot minute in junior high where it was like this is what the cool kids are wearing, like baggy overalls, specifically overalls where you had one strap yes, done. I remember oh, that. So no. people knew you were fucking rocking. <laughs> Oh, he ain't got time to strap both straps. Um, but then, but then the main thing that stuck out at me was Xander's giant Hawaiian shirt. No, well, that. Yeah. But, the, but then, like his his giant purse. It looks like a giant purse, and he's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way he wears it isn't like it's slung over his shoulder. It's just directly in front of him. Like oh, he's just weird. wearing it straight in mm-hmm. front of him, like a little like a, a, a papoose. It's the, <laughs> it's the craziest thing. And it, I know, so they're in high school, he's a teenager, maybe he's hiding an erection. Oh, oh okay, that's sure. Good. That's, <laughs> that's good going subtext. On. I don't know, like, I, for me, mine, it was just always like textbooks, just put my textbooks in yeah. front of there it and go. walk down the hallway with my textbooks pressed against my junk, like, <laughs> oh, nothing suspicious here, because that's a totally normal way to hold your, your textbooks. You ever do the, the lean over? That's what, I, I feel like I had, I, I tried that and it was never in, it was never inconspicuous. It was just like, I'm just gonna be lean in here, right. at a real sharp angle. <laughs> you know what, I, I, the suspense of like, if you're sitting in class and you get an erection and the suspense of like, you're looking at the clock because it's like, class is winding <laughs> down and I better get this shit under control before the bell rings. Like, that dread, I, oh, I don't miss that at all. And yeah. I know every teenage guy mm-hmm. has yeah. like a mental Rolodex of, of, 
like tried and true boner killers oh, that yeah. you start oh, working through. Like uh, baseball, paper cuts, uh, Julia Child naked. I don't know. <laughs> something. Please, please. You gotta go away. I've got three minutes. I, I'm not at all surprised, like, ten minutes into this episode. It's the first episode we've had, like, another guy. We're talking Sorry. about boners. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I, unfortunately, I don't have any boner-killing stories of my own. <laughs> that's well, actually, no, that's fortunate. That's a great thing that yeah. you did. <laughs> not speak well of you. But, you know what's weird is, like, I don't know if it's, like, a Pavlovian response thing, but now because of the anxiety hmm. that erections would, like that would cause in high school, there are times now where it's, like, if I'm running late... Or if I realize, like, oh, I've got somewhere to be, sometimes I'll feel like, what's happening? <laughs> Why is that exciting? And I wonder, I wonder if it's just a weird cocktail of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah just because associ- this is- all these associations. Yeah. Because this would be a bad time for it. That's yeah. what's going to happen. I, what yeah. a terrible affliction. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the Anointed One's warehouse, where some puffed-up vampire says he can kill the Slayer and take the Master's place. Enter Spike. Oh, please come in and show these pretenders how to be a real bad guy on this show. Oh my god, this is a perfect character introduction. Like, by the books, perfect. Mm -hmm. First off, let's talk about the outfit. The duster, right? (laughs) Every time I see that duster, I get just so Mm -hmm. excited. Uh, You've got the bleach blonde hair, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you forget. what I mean, like, what a strong choice. Yeah. No. You know, for this character mm-hmm. that, you know, now I just take it for granted. Like, of course his hair is bleach. Yeah. Right. You know? It's like slick ble- slicked back bleached peroxide. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a very strong choice. And the, the red shirt, so she kind of got more into, like, black later, but it was definitely, like, almost always, like, a red shirt underneath and the duster. Nice. Combat boots. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Originally, like, Spike was, they were thinking he might have, like, a southern drawl. Yeah, that'd be yeah. so terrible. And the other thing that's always jarring is when you hear James Marsder speak in real life. Yes. Because the accent is so good. Yeah. Or maybe you just get so used to hearing it that mm-hmm. it's like, but in my, I, I, it blew my mind that he, he didn't actually talk like that. Yeah. I mean, he's so good at it. And I know like, Everyone likes to make fun of David Boreanaz for his mm. Irish accent later. Yeah. I mean, no one would think that the, he was, that this, that he, this was something he was faking if mm-hmm. we didn't know better. No. This was definitely the first Buffy villain I was really on board with. Like, this is when the show gets way more interesting. And I think the, the great thing about Spike is, he is a bad guy. He is legitimately mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Um, he takes out that long-winded vamp with one, that awesome elbow back behind him. He mm-hmm. doesn't even look. Yeah. So badass. Who do you kill for fun around here? Mm-hmm. But he's also funny. Yeah. He's That's one the of the guy. funniest characters. And well, it's that combination that makes him so refreshing. Yeah, he's like a villain that finally, like, makes sense in the universe of our heroes. Like, he yes. is a character like they are characters. Yes. He's not like... A character from some other vampire movie that's yeah. coming into the, this world of our characters. He's like, oh, this is the uh, the analog of the villain for these kind of heroes. Absolutely, that was it. Absalon in um, oh yeah, when she was bad from that last episode. He just mm-hmm. didn't. It just he didn't seem to belong in the Buffy world. No, yeah. he was you know spouting. All of this long-winded yeah. stuff. And dressed like, I don't know, like a 1900s barber for some reason. Sure. Like, the thing, well, I mean, just think about how much we learn about Spike in this, in the, mm-hmm. this first scene with him yeah. is that, like, I mean, he establishes himself as being a menacing 
entity number mm-hmm. one like you said he's funny but not at the expense of that menace exactly. yes. it doesn't undercut it and then the other really important thing is the decision to have the va- the face switch from vampire to normal when he sees Drusilla mm-hmm. yeah. and then there's that vulnerability to Spike yeah. too he's also like he we see how caring he is of her there's there's a lot of really interesting contradictions mm-hmm. going and on here and all of that in such a short amount of yeah, time exactly. that you, I don't need a whole lot of dialogue mm-hmm. I don't need a lot of expedition exposition I get it and I yeah. think even the fact that he's funny kind of makes him scarier because sure. he's so flippant about yeah, he knows he's so badass he doesn't exactly. have to like show it like all the other vampires we've seen exactly. so far up to like I'm so tough he's like I know I'm tough I've killed right. two slayers I can do it again I'm just gonna have fun yeah exactly. it's funny. you know how they know this is a great scene too is they yeah. don't put the credits until the next scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, like the, yeah. you know, the guest star and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was it's just like, like they know, like, no one's going to be reading this if we put yeah. it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, as the only girl here, I have to say, also, <laughs> super hot. I'm good. Just we hot. Need, go, please, go out, because we need to balance out the, <laughs> the, the boner discussion. <laughs> super later, hot, so. melty goodness. <laughs> uh, so, introduce Scylla. I also love that not only does his face change, but the music here changes mm-hmm. to this childlike music box yeah. theme that's just eerie. Yeah. It's really great. I also like that he senses her presence without her making a noise. He just turns. He knows she's there. Mm-hmm. Right. I also like that, I mean, their relationship is this impossible combination, like, really palpable sexual tension, mm-hmm. like, immediately. But also, like, Spike's got a father-like protective side of her. Mm-hmm. Like, he obviously wants to take care of her. He's yeah. worried... And it's it strikes me that it's not creepy. Like, don't you think that combination might come off creepy? I guess I didn't see. I totally see what you're saying. To yeah. me, I, the the paternal thing didn't register as much as lovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, like even like later on when he says like you've got to eat, please eat. Right, mm-hmm. right. To me, that's like more of a parental thing to say. Well, it's it's almost like he's he's nursing her in a way. Like, right. He he's you know her lover, but also her nurse and her doctor who's trying to like get her better. That's the whole reason why they're there. Yeah. But yeah, I guess if you uh, if you read into more of a paternal thing, I guess it could actually get kind of creepy. But it doesn't. It. That's what I think is is really it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean. Again, I just think this is a perfect scene yeah. from start to finish. Absolutely perfect. I would never change a thing. No, I love it. And especially because up to this point, I've been so kind of, there just hadn't been a villain that really registered and mm-hmm. especially this anointed one bullshit. Like it was yeah. just finally somebody else coming into this room and calling them out on their shit. Yeah. Or just, uh, yeah, this is, he was speaking for me as at, a viewer at yes. this point. Yeah. And there's just so many good lines in this scene where it's, you know, um, like I love Drusilla saying killer for princess. That's so like creepy and, uh, and menacing. And the, the whole crucifixion. Oh, that's thing so good. With yeah. the guy's like, and I should know I was there. And then it's like, if everyone who yeah. said they were at the crucifixion was there, it would be like Woodstock yeah. and just calling yeah. his bullshit on it. I it's love awesome. oh, Well, and I like the line about like, I was at Woodstock. I fled off a follower person and watched my hand move. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got another visual gag here. Spike mm-hmm. wants to know, the Slayer, is she tough? Slash cut to oh, <laughs> Buffy so coming good. through her painfully tangled <laughs> hair. It's cute. Ow. <laughs> Joyce warns Buffy that if the parent-teacher conference doesn't go well, Buffy will be grounded. So we're raising the stakes. Mm-hmm. Right. Not only will she be expelled. Which so- are serious, these are serious stakes when you're a teenager. Yeah, right? sure. I mean, they're the most serious. Yeah. You think about it, being expelled and being grounded. Those are the worst things that yeah. can happen to you. I mean, I'm in Sunnydale, you could die, but <laughs> go to the murder alley. Uh, I actually think this is a semi-touching scene. Yeah. Like, I haven't really liked Joyce up to this point, 
But the way that Joyce says it, she just doesn't want to be disappointed in her mm. daughter again. Oh, I thought that was fucking harsh. Like, <laughs> I mean, just, it was, I, I felt it was touchy. I mean, like, I mean, Buffy did get expelled from school, and Joyce has no yeah. idea that it was because she was saving the world. Oh from yeah, vampires. sure. I yeah, I understand all that. It's just like if my imagining my mother saying those words to me, it's just like, oh, yeah. that yeah, it brought up a lot of memories for me of when I would get in trouble. I never got grounded. I never mm. got. My big punishment was my parents getting really quiet and going, I'm disappointed in you. Oh. And oh my God, I'd cry for hours uh, over those words. They're the worst. Yeah. So Sheila didn't show up for banner making. Buffy insists that she can study and party and do parent teacher night and make her mom proud as long as she doesn't have to slay vampires. <laughs> Which, of course, is Giles's cue to tell us that St. Vigius is coming on Saturday. What is this? Does anyone did anyone figure this out? What the hell Saint Vigius is? What's going on? Uh, he led the Crusade of Vampires, so um, right. But why does that matter for this Saturday? Because like it's his Saint's Day, so that's when the vampires have more power. It's it's like uh, you know some kind of astrological thing where I'm sure like because it's his day, his spirit grants power to the vampires. I mean, is that real or is it like they're throwing a big party so they're going to be extra feisty? Well, I think I think in the world of the show, we're supposed to believe that it is true that the vampires have extra power on that day. Okay. I don't think it's supposed to be like, hey, it's it's like Christmas. This is the best time <laughs> of the party. <laughs> so they need to do some extra preparation for that. Snyder sees that Sheila is a no-show. Why does Buffy cover for her here? Isn't it better for Buffy that Sheila gets in trouble and therefore she's the one that gets expelled and Buffy was the good one and did all the work and everything she was supposed to? I guess I, I yeah, I think I, at this point, the way I justified it to myself was that I missed something in the first scene about <laughs> both of you have to, oh. this, so if one of you screws up, it both of you... And I think it could just be like a natural instinct, like I don't, I don't want to screw somebody over... You know, especially a, when you're a teenager, you don't want to be like the the narc kid. I think that's probably what it is. I think I was the narc kid, and that's why my instincts <laughs> are like, just can't relate to this. I was like, no, I was a goody goody snitch. I know yeah. right from wrong. If you're wrong, I'm gonna tell on you. Oh, Kristen, <laughs> snitches get stitches. <laughs> uh, but I think we're missing the most important aspect of the scene is that uh, Willow is wearing another Scooby shirt. Oh, I missed it again. Yes. Oh. Um, well, it's hard to see. Like, I, I had to like actually pause it because it's Scooby, but it's just an outline and it's white, like an like an un, unfinished cell almost. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but it is Scooby Doo. I didn't know if you guys noticed this, but there. So in the first in Spike's introduction, there's the part where he you know he lets Drusilla cut his cheek mm-hmm. and then she you know licks it and then he's got that smear of blood on his cheek for the rest of the scene. In this scene, Buffy has red paint smeared on her cheek. I didn't oh. notice that. And I thought, like, oh, I'm pro- I'm reading too much into this, but I Googled it just to see. Yeah. And, there, and I found some somebody was, like, some guy's blog where he mm-hmm. was going through the series and reviewing episodes. He picked up on this, too. And what his whole theory of this was, was they're establishing right from the get-go mm-hmm. that these two have sort of a, a connection in that... In the same way Buffy is sort of doing this Slayer thing in her own way, where she's mm. not necessarily oh. following the rules, the, no. you know, the way that the other girls have. And then the episode ends with Spike basically saying, you know, we're, I, none of this ceremony stuff, less rituals, mm-hmm. more fun. Yeah. And he, it, and so they're kind of, you know, cut from the same cloth in mm-hmm. that way. That's super interesting. 
That's super cool. That's awesome. It could also just be a giant coincidence. Yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> so that night, Willow was tutoring Buffy in French at the bronze. Uh, as they take a dance break, Spike watches from the shadows and announces to the crowd that someone's in the murder alley trying trying to bite someone. I love how creepy Spike is in the background where... I, I honestly thought, like, wait, is that Spike? When I when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, yeah, he's totally, like, watching this entire scene mm. in the background, which is really cool. And then I also love how he does the littlest possible deception, which is like, hey, there's a big guy in the alley. Somebody <laughs> call the police. And it's just like he's not acting at all. He's just saying the line he knows he needs to say right, right where he needs to say it. The guy he said, and it looks like there's one person and uh, one guy specifically he's saying this to who just totally ignores him and just keeps, <laughs> yeah. just keeps dancing. <laughs> well, did you notice the, the extra right behind him when he says that there's a girl in a bright white shirt? And nobody around her is dancing, and she is going crazy. She's really earning that extra pay. <laughs> she thought this was just going to make her career. Yeah. So Buffy saves the girl in the alley. Spike watches Buffy fight. I like that when Buffy sends Xander to get a stake from her purse. This is such like a like a teenage guy moment yeah. that he he's going through her purse, and first he takes out a yo-yo, which we saw her yes! use Continuity. in the cemetery. And then a tampon, and his reaction to the tampon is great. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting about the tampon is, I don't know if I get it. How many times has this no, come no, up? No, no. Cramps are a sign of vampires. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, no, seriously. Like, at the the part where Spike and Buffy finally come face to face, obviously, you know, we'll get to that scene eventually, but just the one aspect of it I think this ties into is, you know, he senses her before he turns around to talk to her, and he mm-hmm. says, fee fi fo fum I smell the blood... Ew. And then earlier in the episode, there, I don't know. I'm not trying to be gross. I was seriously thinking, like, because she, there's, he there's can such, smell her because she's on the rack. Because there's so, <laughs> because there's so much sexual subtext in that scene through everything they're saying and just the way that they're moving. And it was mm-hmm. just, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's part of me thinks it wasn't too. an accident. Mm. That's an interesting theory too. There's nothing sexier than period blood, right? <laughs> Spike steps out of the shadows to tell Buffy that he's going to kill her on Saturday. He then lures Sheila Sheila off so he can feed her to Drusilla. The next morning, Buffy tells Giles about her run-in with Spike. Angel knows who this is and says he's worse than any vamp she's faced before. I I think Angel is kind of an asshole in this scene because he really should tell them like, oh, and by the way, this is the name he used to go by. Because yeah. they spend presumably a lot of research. hours finding this out. And it's like, <laughs> right. all you had to do, buddy, was say like, hey, he's a really bad guy. This is the name he used to go by. You don't have to tell him everything. But it's just such a dick move that he pulls his little Batman routine and lets them have to do hours of research instead of like preparing in other ways for this guy he knows is super, super hard to fight. Right. Also, and I, I mean, I will say that, yes, Spike is the biggest badass she's gone up against so far. Mm-hmm. But in the world of this show where they were scared of the master, I'm mm-hmm. not, but they are. Did we forget about the master? And then, like, in season three, she pretends that, like, the three, oh, my God, the three. That I can mm-hmm. never explain. <laughs> I, I just thought that line to me struck me as just kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is, like... What's dangerous about Spike, it's kind of like, uh, to use a Batman analogy, uh, in the newer Batman films, Batman begins, Raj al Ghul is a very, like, structured enemy. You know what he's going to do. You know what his rules are. 
the Joker is scarier because you don't know what his rules are. And that's okay. why Spike is scarier, because he's more an agent of chaos. It's not because he's physically more powerful or he has, like, right. extra powers that other vampires don't have. It's that he'll do whatever and you don't know what his next move is going to be. That makes a, a lot point. of sense. And also the fact that Angel's seen so much of it yeah. firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, meanwhile, Drusilla is putting Miss Edith in a timeout. <laughs> Spike encourages her to eat Sheila and alludes to an event in a few weeks that will restore her health. So that's foreshadowing to what's my line. Mm-hmm. This part is so fun. Oh, it's so awesome. Right before she, she drinks from her and mm-hmm. where she, the doll that yeah. she's turned yeah. around. Yeah. The, oh my gosh. Uh, that Miss Edith, you could have watched with the rest. It's so oh creepy. My God. Oh. It's, oh, it's awesome. What is it about dolls, man? Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. This is is much unlike the Anointed One. This is like a creepiness of being a kid mixed yeah. with murder and vampirism that's actually scary, as opposed to just like some boring kid skipping rocks. Right. So it's Thursday, parent-teacher night. I get that it's supposed to be a gag that Buffy's holding up a machete, and then we just reveal that she's using it to chop a cucumber. But she's doing a really bad job of okay, chopping okay. this cucumber. I'm glad, right? yeah, I'm glad you noticed that too, because it's like it's like a super huge chunk, and it takes her like three times to get it. Like, if it's a prop machete, I'm sorry, get a different machete. I mean, they're not uniform. She's got like one no. piece that's like half an inch, one piece that's like a quarter of an inch, and then one piece that's like six inches long. <laughs> Who's going to eat that? Yeah. That's that's for later. (laughs) She's taking that one home. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean to like pickle? That's all. I mean, that's a way of cutting it. Kristen, don't be gross. (laughs) Yeah, come on. Oh, no. Okay, but other than the cucumbers and (laughs) serving lemon juice instead of punch. That was awesome. (laughs) I mean, it's a bit ridiculous that she's just never heard that lemonade has sugar in it, but it's so funny that I forgive it. I know. I I mean, I love Elson Hannigan's reaction. It also makes for a great button on the whole scene. Oh, yeah. I laughed out loud. Have some punch. Yeah. (laughs) But other than that, she did a really good job here. Like, her decorations were really nice. She had, you know, great healthy snacks for Mm -hmm. adults. She did everything Snyder asked her to do Mm -hmm. without any help. And this scene just completely reminds me of like, oh, this is why I hate Snyder. I don't care about all of his funny lines. Mm -hmm. I actually don't love to hate him. I just hate him. He's he's out to get her in a way that's almost comical. Like, and not in a good way. Like, in a a way that it's just, the show doesn't give you a ton of justification Mm. for. Like, if again, like, Buffy getting in trouble with her mom when she gets expelled from school or comes home late. I get it. Joyce doesn't understand. Yeah. Buffy is a teenager, and you just have to accept, like, that sucks for Buffy because she broke the rules. When she gets in trouble, when she does everything right, my sense of injustice just, it yeah. raises my mm-hmm. hackles, and I just get pissed. Yeah. Well, I think it's definitely unjust, but what makes it understandable, not justifiable, and I think that's a very important uh, distinction to make, what makes this understandable to me is uh, later on when we get to band candy and seeing what teenage Snyder was like, I can imagine him, like, Getting vendettas on people that reminded him of the people he hated in high school. Oh, yeah. yeah. And th- maybe that's it. Like, Buffy reminds him of, like, some girl that scorned him or, like, the popular girls that were always making fun of him or something like that where that's why it's personal for him. It's not justifiable, but I understand why he has this bizarre focus on, like, ruining Buffy's life. I guess then I think that he would more target Cordelia because be- mm. Buffy's more of an outcast. Yeah, only except Buffy's making herself an easy target. That's yeah. true. Through okay. the behavior. Mm-hmm. True. So anyways, Giles has found records of Spike, originally known as William the Bloody. He earned his nickname by torturing his victims <laughs> with railroads. I shouldn't have brought up the period thing. 
It's going to yes. ruin everything. Oh, God. It all makes sense now. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I'm never going to hear that that name the same ever again. You're welcome, America. Uh, he's killed two slayers. The parent-teacher conference ends. We know because Snyder is just this is the craziest thing. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, no, no announcement. He just he, he what he came to do, he did, and he's like, get the fuck out. And <laughs> the parents are still just sitting in the cafeteria. Yeah. Lights off. Uh, but a group of vamps comes crash through the window. Spike just couldn't wait till Saturday. Mm-hmm. And that's just another like really cool way to like establish his character again, and it sets up a cool episode. But it's just like, oh yeah, he's he's not going to be like everyone else, just blindly following a, a prophecy because like, oh, this is the night of our greatest power. Right. Which you know, the master, that is exactly what he would have done, and he would have like had some kind of stupid showdown where he throws like some other super assassin at Buffy that she easily just tosses aside. Right. And I like that like Joss kind of. There's a twist here that, like, we're expecting St. Vigius to be yeah, this right. big yeah, thing, totally. and it never happens. Yeah. And this is kind of... Right. Oh, yeah. 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 That's very cool. Which, yeah, I, I kind of forget on repeat viewings, but, like, I try to remind myself, oh, yeah, like, I don't know that this is supposed to happen at the school, so this is supposed yeah. to be a surprise. Also, really lame fight scene here where, like, Spike and his goons come crashing in, and, like, he's been built up to be this yeah. big badass, and then she just throws a chair at him, and it not only knocks him over, but two other vamps behind him. They explode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is, a, in my notes, what I wrote down was, like, there were a lot of shots in here as everybody's escaping from the vampires. I'm just like, vampires can't bust down doors? Like, they're yeah. powerless to a yeah. locked door? Like, oh, yeah, no. they have superhuman strength. Right, right. Like, I'm pretty sure I could knock down that door. <laughs> yeah. And I'm right. not a vampire. But I think, I know you've talked about this before, too. It's just, it, it's true of Buffy and of the some of the villains, where the power levels sort of, they don't, no one ever really established. Yeah. A yeah. Very, like a clear. What's the upper limit? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it kind of changes from. Yeah, sometimes you can't op- close a door. Other times you can bend a shotgun in half. Yeah. Right? Like, that's a mm, big difference. It's a soft shotgun. <laughs> or maybe... Because at the end of the episode, they allude to the fact that Snyder might be hip to what's going on mm-hmm. here. Maybe all of these doors, like if you if you knew they're Superman was coming, coming, you'd line everything with kryptonite. Uh, oh, it's like they're, is, they're garlic infused. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. why does this school smell like garlic? <laughs> it's, just, it's in the in the building materials. It's got consecrated door. <laughs> The Sunnydale High uh, budget is actually really high. They've got really, really good quality wood here. Yes. They're extra strong. (laughs) So the parent-teacher attendees are trapped in the school. Giles sends Xander out through the stacks to get Angel. The stacks. (laughs) Snyder has a reason why there's something wrong with their attacker's faces. It's a gang on PCP. PC goddamn P. Kristen knows how much this bothered me. So I actually... Like, looked this up, because I was wondering, like, mm-hmm. I know PCP makes you super aggressive mm-hmm. and, like, quick to anger um, and, like, raises your adrenaline, but mm-hmm. doesn't actually change your appearance. That's the thing. It's just how yeah. many times in the show it's, like, everybody gets a good look at a yeah. demon, a demon <laughs> face, right. and they're just, like, drugs. These kids and their drugs. Yeah. Burn victim. Uh, so it actually will, PCP has been known to make people cannibalistic. They go so crazy that they will eat people around mm-hmm. them. But no, it doesn't change your appearance. This does, however, make me think about a time in junior high 
when I was... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear where this is going. When I was on PCP. <laughs> I hate this guy. <laughs> no, I was reading a novel, I think in study hall, about a, in which a character's boyfriend got high on PCP and then beat her up. And I went to the te- I brought the book to the teacher and I was like, hey, what's PCP? <laughs> she wouldn't tell me. <laughs> like she was just super nervous. Like, um, why? 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 I was like, because she thought you busted her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Slowly closing the drawer. <laughs> and how much are like, like four tabs? <laughs> uh, and, and like eventually got her to be like, I was like, it's, it's in my book. I just, I don't understand this scene. Like, yeah. And she explained to me like, oh, it's, it's a drug. It makes you violent. Like, okay. And I remember at that age, just looking at her like, you're crazy for not just telling me yeah. that. Did you think that was going to be like, well, now I want to go do it. Yeah. There's nothing in there that would make you, you'd be worried a kid would hear and go like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like if it was pot, you could maybe say like, ooh, this is, this is going to be a tough one. It's going to make, it's going to be a hard sell to like make pot look real bad. But PCP right. has some really big downsides that are really easy to point out. Like, not to mention the whole point of the book was like, it was, uh, what's the, is it Reefer Madness? Yeah. It was yeah. like the novelization for, of like, PCP is bad. It was, will make your boyfriend beat you. I was going to say, it's the description that reminds me of that, the Ben Affleck after yeah. school special oh, yeah, where he's on steroids. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly that. Ugh. So Buffy climbs into the ceiling. She makes her way to the library to get her weapons while a vamp uses an axe to hack his way towards Joyce. Buffy lands on him and takes him out. But Sheila's there. Uh, she finally showed up to the parent-teacher conference just a little late. She picks up the axe, supposedly to help Buffy, but she's actually been vamped and tries to stake her. Obviously. Yeah, how do you not see that? Coming? Yeah. Based yeah. on where we left that character. Well, and I, 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 don't, I hope that they don't think we're so dumb that we don't assume she's a vampire. I think it's supposed to be the tension of when is Buffy going to find out. Yeah, yeah, I think the yeah. whole scene I'm going, oh, God, just figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. Don't take the axe away from her. Don't let yeah. her have the yeah. axe. Right. And it's a nice kind of mirror because, you know, we're in the part that's kind of diehard right now. Uh, it's a, it's a mirror Ooh. of the part with, uh, Hans Gruber and You're McClane. You're so right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my mind is blown right now. It is die hard. Because it's exactly yeah. the same thing yeah. where you're like, don't give him the gun. Yeah. yeah. Don't give her the axe. Yeah. And it's even the same. The way it's shot is kind mm-hmm. of similar. The way yeah. that we're watching Buffy walk away and the axe like comes into mm-hmm. frame. I didn't think it was possible possible for me to love this episode more, but now I do. <laughs> I think it's funny that so like it's called School Hard, you know, yeah. to reference Die Hard. It's funny that the Die oh. Hard stuff. Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> no. Yes. Awesome! <laughs> There's that amazing Bruce Willis cameo. She, she runs into him when she's in the vents. Did you not notice that? <laughs> this is awesome! You got your own shit going on? Cool. All right. High five. Good luck. <laughs> you, you missed that? Um, but I, I think it's funny that it's like it's really just the last like 10 minutes of the episode mm-hmm. where it's just that's when the diehard yeah. influence yeah. kicks in. Mm-hmm. So with the hallways cleared, Buffy tells her mom and the rest of the adults to make a run for it. Angel and Xander, meanwhile, arrive at the school... Angel grabs Xander by the neck and greets Spike warmly. Seems they're old buddies. He offers to share Xander's blood, but Spike punches him out in- instead. He was never fooled by this. This is cool. It's so I, a lot of the characters take a little while to figure out mm-hmm. the best ways to utilize them. Yeah. Spike enters fully formed. Oh, like, yeah. Everything yeah. we love about evil Spike, specifically, mm-hmm. is just it's it's here right yeah. from the very first appearance. I can see why they. Why they kept him around. The only thing, the most interesting part of this scene to me was when he tells Angel, like, oh, they're still falling for that Anne Rice routine. Yeah. You know, like, oh, nice Angel. I'm just mm-hmm. doing this to get close to da 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 da. Yeah. yeah. It's such a cool moment of ambiguity where I, yeah. I, I thought, 
and you know they don't have a lot of time mm-hmm. left in this episode but just the idea yeah. of like is Angel playing them yeah. like the introduction yeah. of Spike changing the way you feel mm-hmm. about Angel would yeah. be really and cool and it's like just early enough that you could still maybe buy it yeah like if it was a couple episodes later it'd be just like no you completely changed this character we we're just kind of getting comfortable with Angel where like pulling the rug like that right. could still work he could just still be like a double agent. At least if, at least just from maybe Xander's perspective. If yeah, Xander's the absolutely. one holdout in the Scooby gang who's yeah. sort of like, I am really nervous yeah. that just mm-hmm. based on this, what he overhears here. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, that kind of like makes you feel like, you know, the routine that he, Angel's done this before and Spike mm-hmm. knows that or like has Spike done this before. Is this yeah. something that vampires do all yeah. the time that like when mm-hmm. people find them out? This is also the part where there, it gets a little, muddled in terms of who sired who like this becomes a problem yeah later. a lot of people have a problem with but joss that. has said well, go ahead yeah that's uh in the interviews i think i'm probably bringing up the same point that he said that sire can be who literally sired you and also just a vampire mentor of some right. sort it's 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 not as strictly uh like it's not like father mother it's yeah. sire is an elder vamp who mentors you taught you to right. be yeah. a vampire yeah yes technically he's his grandsire <laughs> I always just assumed he was shortening it. Like, you're my grandsire. Oh, okay. So you're just, you're my sire. That makes sense, too. Yeah, that's... Yeah. A, I'm fi- it has never bothered me. No. Like, when they introduce... You know, when you get into yeah. the Drusilla and how all of this mm-hmm. and all the flashbacks and everything, I was never like, no, actually, you said... <laughs> he said sire yeah. in one episode. Yeah. And, like, especially, like, because, like, Spike is the kind of character who could just... Who would just, like, maybe exaggerate a little bit more, even if you had to specifically say Sire was the person who sired you, he might say that just as a way to, like, get a dig in at Angelus, even though it wasn't literally his sire. You know, it's... Right. Yeah. So the other vamps chase off Angel and Xander. Spike stays behind to fight Buffy one-on-one. Ah, You know what my favorite part of this was, rewatching it, was before they actually get down to exchanging blows... That's a great way of wording it. Uh I'm sorry. I apologize. Before they actually start fighting, the kind of, like, the way they're moving around each Mm -hmm. other and sort of sizing each other up... Sarah Michelle Gellar is, I was just so impressed by how she is holding herself like a teenage girl. Yeah. And almost like deliberately making herself look weaker than she is the way that's like the arms are kind mm-hmm. of folded and the head's down a little bit. Yeah. Like she's just, it's the way teenage girls move yeah. and carry mm-hmm. themselves. I just, I love that she paid attention to stuff like that. Yeah. I love the line, do we really need weapons for this? I just like them. They make me feel all manly. I love that. <laughs> he like touches himself all creepy. I, lo- I mean, not creepy to me. I love it. <laughs> His stunt double is. It's like this show is not meant for HD. No, no. <laughs> yeah, and I think the like, especially at the time, like, well, he's got a blonde wig. Nobody's gonna be able to tell, right. guys. I mean, none of this ever jumped out. I don't remember yeah. a single moment watching this on TV going like, "Oh, that's obviously yeah. a, a double." But when we even just rewatching. Uh, on Netflix when we were going through it. Yeah. Even Buffy's stunt double. I mean, you can always tell. I think later on it becomes more obvious for Buffy as she's... I mean, it, as the series goes on, she obviously gets more and more petite. She loses oh, sure. a lot of weight. And I, I, I don't know if they keep the same stunt double or if they get a new one, but I, the disparity in their size, their size just their body types, you yeah. go from someone super super frail looking and then someone who's muscular and yeah. is a fighter that's when i can tell to me yeah. I, it's the, it's always most noticeable just in the way that and not like obviously if she's doing like an elaborate you know kick or flip or whatever mm-hmm. you're like that's probably the stunt double yeah. but it's just, it's in the way she holds herself like her mm-hmm. stance that it's just it's so different from the way sarah michelle geller holds herself mm-hmm. 
So just as Spike is about to deliver the final blow to Buffy, he's hit on the back of the head with the axe. Joyce came back. I like that you get the hell away from my daughter, Mm -hmm. which reminds me of the moment in Aliens. Yeah, yeah. Get away from her, you bitch. You know what it is, too? The the reason I really love this moment is that it's always really compelling when a character that you know has no chance Mm -hmm. against the person they're facing still makes that stand. Yeah. Just because it's right, it's the mm-hmm. right, right thing to yeah. do. Yeah, and that's why you just, I just, I'm so with Joyce in this mm-hmm. moment. It's yeah. like, the, it, she has no chance of taking this dude out, but yeah. she's there and she has to, anyways. Also, superpowers aside, I like this because I kind of see where Buffy gets it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Obviously, her strength comes from the prophecy, but yeah. like in terms of her personality and her, her inner strength, yeah. yes. Yeah. You're like, oh, you know, this was, this, you inherited this. Yeah. Although the one thing I don't like about this is how easily this makes Spike give up, which seems yeah, like yeah. a bit lame because it's he's just knocked out. He still has his weapon, even like I could maybe if like then she like chopped through his like big block of wood and he's like, oh, this is a little too much. But it's like I was hit once by some lady, yeah, women. I just I really thought it was the way it was gonna play out was. He, he was gonna laugh at her making this, mm-hmm. you know, this stand of just like, who the hell are you? Like, yeah. You, yeah. this isn't a challenge. Yeah. And her just holding her ground. That's where I thought it was going. Yeah. And then there was gonna be some other reason he had. Yeah. To or like, like, there's more reinforcements that come. Yeah. Like, like and that you kind start of thing. seeing yeah. cop sirens. There's yeah. too many people coming. His goons are gone. Yeah. I always justify it by the fact that his goons are gone. Like, he's by himself. Yeah. But that wouldn't be enough. He still, I think, would feel yeah. like he could take them on. Either daylight needs to be coming yeah, or something. cops need to be coming. Yeah. It's just, Reinforcement, it, yeah. Because it, it, the way he runs out, too, is a little, it feels a little out of character. Like, if it had just been more of, like, a smirk about knowing, like, like well, this, we'll pick this up yeah. at some yeah. point and just kind of very casually, confidently yeah, that, walk that's out. That's a really good point because, like, I think it would have been so much more justifiable for the character who's like, you know, this is too much fun for me to try to end this now. Yeah, but it's yeah. like, oh, there's another lady with an axe. I can never <laughs> overcome these odds. It's like, really, like you fought worse odds than this before. Yeah, and you still have a weapon. That's she hit menopause. Say. I'm not into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm William the Bloody guys. Yeah. <laughs> She's all dried up. Uh, <laughs> Time to bounce. <laughs> well, he does say he likes veal. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm too aged to little too well. Mm-hmm. So the cops show up. Snyder talks to them, and then we get the understanding that the authorities are aware, at least to some degree, that there's a supernatural thing happening in this town. I wish they'd done more with this. Yeah. I mean, I understand why, you know, they're they're limited in some ways about how how deeply they can delve into this sort of thing. But because this almost does feel like an acknowledgement of yeah. we're not going to be able to get a lot of mileage out of the whole mm-hmm. PCP. PCP. Like, kids we know it's thing. ridiculous. But yeah. yeah. And then, but, but nope. <laughs> they just no. keep going back to that one. And like, I mean, you can make the argument that this is kind of almost like a genesis for the, the, the mayor arc in yeah. the next season. But even that, it's like... You don't get a sense that he's really tied into a larger conspiracy. It's his little conspiracy. Right. But we don't get a, a tie into how the police are covering things up, which would have been yeah. really satisfying. Yeah, I remember being very... This line, this moment, really su- surprised me when mm-hmm. we watched this. You know, we were going through it again, and it was just like, oh, shit, that's really cool. And I think the reason I don't remember it is because it doesn't... Doesn't really go they don't. Yeah, they don't really run with this. I guess I would, because there's a moment later in this season where somebody threatens Snyder with like, you know, am I going to have to talk to the mayor about this? Mm. I just kind of saw this as the progression of us being introduced to the mayor. Mm. But maybe I'm just pushing that. Well, it's certainly a really cool way to tie it together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So Joyce and Buffy have a heart to heart. Despite Buffy Mm. getting in trouble a lot, Joyce is proud that she has a daughter who's brave, 
good in a crisis, and takes care of others. This is the first moment where I fall in love with Joyce. Mm. Up until this, she was just bitchy mom. Uh, interesting point. This is the first episode in the series that she is referred to as Joyce. She oh. has not had a name before this episode. Oh, that's... Isn't that crazy? She went a whole season without yeah. having a name. <laughs> she was just Bobby's mom. Mrs. Summers. Wow. That makes me think of when I was a kid, I didn't know my friend's parents' names. So it was just, this is Jake's mom and Jake's dad. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was your official name. Like, (laughs) legally, you were Jake's mom and Jake's dad. But there's also, okay, so the guy that you refer to as... Yeah, so my godparents, Mm -hmm. their son's name was Jeff. So I would call them Jeff's mommy and Jeff's daddy. In, eventually that became one word, just Jeff's mommy. Just That's right. And it wasn't until I got to junior high and saw a greeting card where they had signed it, Jeff's mommy, Jeff apostrophe S mommy, two separate words, and Jeff's daddy, that I realized... Oh, that's why I call them that. I thought it was a total what a, like, random what a coincidence. These two people with such unusual names <laughs> met each other. I thought it was like some term like "booby" or. But the grandma. funny thing is, you never grew out of this. Like no. to this day, she'll be like, "You remember Jeff's daddy?" And I'm like, "Please, can we, can we just call him his name?" And he's t- and when yeah, when she's talking to her parents, like, have you heard from Jeff's daddy? And I'm like, "I don't like this." It's I not like I would like call my grandpa George. I mean, you. I get. I know. But I, I think the, the daddy and mom. It makes it like weird. It's like that's like such a young way to refer to somebody. It's it's not like I used to call up my mom like, and say, "Hey, mommy, uh, what's going on?" He was at our wedding, and she was like, "This is Jeff's daddy." And I was like, "Come on!" And then I think the card he gave us, he even signed it. Yeah, Jeff's daddy. Like I'm, now I'm in. I'm tied into this too. <laughs> You know who I'm talking about. If I said Al. I don't know his. I don't know. Yeah, not okay. Al. I had no idea what his name was. That's so much easier. That's so many less syllables. (laughs) (laughs) It's not endearing. All right. So Spike goes to apologize to the annoying one for ruining St. Vigis. But he just can't. He can't do it. He tosses the annoying one into a cage and hoists him into the sunlight. So good. Where he does. So he was a vampire this whole time? Or is just... Allergic. I don't care. He's gone. I don't care. That's the main thing. However you get him out, get him out. Thank you, Spike. We love you for this. So in one episode, we've gone from dealing with a season one plus of old timey prophecy talking, taking themselves super seriously to like 40 minutes later, they're gone. And we've got someone who's super funny and scary and Mm -hmm. rebellious and a badass. If you didn't already love Spike... Like yeah. that. That, yeah. For, yeah. I, and it's exactly what you said. I don't care how they get this kid out. They, he could have whacked him like a pinata and candy could have fallen out. <laughs> yeah. if, that, if that were the end of this kid, I'd be like, that makes sense. Sure. That's for Thank sure. You. I love candy, so. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Who doesn't? <laughs> no, I love, I, I just, yeah. yeah, I love the way you think he's going in to make nice and apologize mm-hmm. and it's just. And even he tries to do it for a second. Yeah. And he's just like. I can't do Yeah, this. I, oh, I love this. And again, oh. it's a surprise because we thought the anointed one was going to be the season two big bad. Yeah, because they like, clearly like set it up in the last two episodes. Yep. Like, okay, this is going to be it. He's probably going to, I don't know, bring another really powerful vampire in to be Some a hitman. Prophecy, be, whatever. Yeah. Oh, so great. Like the way it all, because it all. Going into this cold, you might think, well, so Spike's going to be a one and done deal. That's going to be the the monster of the week for this episode. And then it's just, the, and then so you get to this ending, and what an amazing final mm-hmm. shot! The way it pans up, and just the smoking, just cage. the smoking, oh. yeah. yeah. Oh. This is like probably the first episode, definitely in season two, uh, but maybe overall that I'm just like, 
Yeah, I'm fully on board for like everything. Even the like little nitpicks we've gone right. over, like it's just a great episode. I think it's not even it's a good place to start if you want to like start at season two. It's uh, just a great episode overall. I it's one of my faves. I also I really really love this episode a lot, and I think High School Buffy in particular just mm-hmm. works so well. It's got all the same things going for it that like you know the high school Spider Man stories mm-hmm. do. That's why the yeah. best Spider Man stories are from that are in that setting, and the allegories that they're all you mm-hmm. know they're they're making the high school experience. The fact that your hormones everything is it feels so heightened and mm-hmm. exaggerated even when you're at that yeah. age. That using monsters and all these other mm-hmm. crazy exaggerations it it fits with the stuff you're going through as as a teenager and. And yeah, I agree with Mike. This is probably, I mean, this is one of the best episodes in season two. Maybe one of my favorite episodes. I don't know. Oh, it's so hard to say. Yeah. We don't want to go down that road. We'll be here all night. But um, <laughs> but this is a very, very solid episode. I 100% agree. I, I'm going to say I think it's a perfect episode. Like, no. yeah, teeny little nitpicks. But like, I think you could use this as an example of like the way to write a Buffy episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, I'm not a screenwriter, but... It, to me, it's just really good writing. Yeah. And like the way he raises the stakes, the way he introduces the characters. Mm-hmm. I think it is perfect. It's definitely in my top 10 yeah. of Buffy episodes. Yeah, and even how like, except maybe like not Miss Calendar, but almost every single character gets at least one nice little moment. Even though there's a lot of stuff that happens, every character gets little bits of this is very representative of who they are or like a little cool thing that they do or both. Yeah. It's just, it's really well done. Yeah. It's perfection. I love it. It's time to put School Hard back on the shelf and open the books on Inca Mummy Girl. The gang is on a school field trip to the History Museum, which exists in this town. (laughs) This giant museum in this somewhat small town. Buffy's upset because her mom signed them up for a foreign exchange student, but Cordelia, on the other hand, is thrilled to be assigned a Swedish hunk. I love that. So, like, it feels like everybody's getting their own exchange student, Mm -hmm. and this, we did not have anything like this when I was in high school. We had exchange students, but it was, but, you know, there would be, like, two or three a year. Yeah, they'd be there for a whole year, not Mm -hmm. a week. Right. Yeah, so this, I'm not saying this didn't happen or stuff like more, mm. closer to this didn't happen. Just that it, this, I had nothing like this in, in my school. We had one exchange student one year, this girl from Sweden named Sophie, and she was in one of my classes. And so rather than, you know, one person gets assigned to show her around and whatever, it was just like on a class by class basis. So in whatever class I had with her, it was like, Chris, you're the one that's in charge of, you know, bringing her up to speed and, you know, giving her the lay of the land, all that sort of thing. And I remember that this was right around the time of the homecoming dance. And so after a couple of weeks of, you know, sitting next to Sophie, talking to Sophie, I uh, I went up to her after school. And this is like, so everybody's waiting for the buses. So there's tons of people around. All my friends are standing around with me. She's standing with like a group of girls that she'd become friends with. And I went up and asked her to go to homecoming with me. I'd like written in my notebook how I was going to ask her. And like I, I was looking oh, at it all day and I memorized what I was going to say. So I didn't screw it up. That was so cute. And, but then, yeah, but you know what happens when you write like a paragraph's worth of stuff and you want to try and make it sound casual is you just start spitting it out like a mile a minute. Yeah. Like it just totally pre-rehearsed. But like, hey, Sophie, I was just thinking and it's no big deal. But you know, the other day I was just there and one thing made me think of that. And I'm just running through the whole spiel and I get to the end of it about like, so, you know, would you go to homecoming dance with? me and she looks at me and she goes oh no 
Like, oh. no thought. <laughs> so blunt. Yeah. And like, and, and her, all of my, all of her friends started laughing. Oh, no. All of my oh. friends started laughing. Oh. I think in part just because of how, like, she didn't even attempt to yeah. let me like, down easy. Just like, oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, this doesn't even feel real. This feels yeah. like such an 80s movie moment mm. of, yeah. like, it feels like the whole parking lot is laughing Blaine's at Blaine's going to come in and put his arm around <laughs> yeah. her and take her away. <laughs> but, uh, oh. So the gang spots Rodney, a braces-having ne'er-do-well, damaging <laughs> some historical art. What is he doing here? Uh, yeah. He's scraping <laughs> paint flakes into a well, plastic I, baggie? For what? It, it looked like maybe that part of the mask was goldish. So maybe that's why he was like, oh, I can sell this at, like, cash for gold. His all, yeah. I, I'm, or maybe it's just being... All of his behavior here makes me think, like, what's the long-term plan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you must be a planner. You got those braces, buddy. Like, <laughs> I just thought, like, paint chips is going to get high off them. <laughs> like, you could frame. You have, like, wet paint because the fumes. It's not like. What if you eat paint chips? That's no, that just makes you sick because it's like the oh, lead. I don't know. I didn't do that. It's got a death wish. <laughs> What's the slowest way I can <laughs> myself? <laughs> Uh, I fast I thought he would freebase it. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think we, we're kind of taking over the role of that teacher with the PCP book. I know why I needed to ask. I don't know these things. Uh, uh, anyway, Willow asks Rodney to stop. They proceed to the mummy exhibit and learn how a beautiful teenage girl was buried alive as a sacrifice to their god and cursed against someone waking her. Mm. Later, Rodney sneaks back in to steal the mummy's seal. There's no glass. There's nothing. There's no security cameras. Yeah, there's no there, alarm. There's, there's real shit security in this There's museum. not even a velvet rope. No. So you're like, don't cross. But again, like, his plan. Like, I, <laughs> I know it's, an, it's valuable in that it's, you know, this yeah. ancient artifact. Are you going to slip it under your shirt and take it to a pawn shop? Yeah. I don't. Who's going to buy an ancient mummy plate? <laughs> I, I, I'm just blaming you. He needs something to huff those paint chips off of. <laughs> yeah, that's, he was going to eat off of it. He wasn't going to sell it. I also love how, like, insanely difficult it is for him to lift the plate out of the mummy's hands. Like, I get maybe it's a magic thing, but it just seems like that should not be that hard. Yeah, Rigor Mortis has long since gone away. There's no yeah. muscle there. You know what this made me remember that I haven't thought about in years is that we had a mummy in my high school. I know I, I, <laughs> and I did not think the horticulture thing was going to come up, so now I know I'm painting a picture of, like, you did go to high school in a haunted house. <laughs> Um, we went to Harry with, Potter with World. a scary yeah. nursery. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> no, we did the history department. Like all the offices where the where the history mm-hmm. teachers worked. You know, when they weren't in their classrooms. If you went back there, there was there was a, a mummy of like a it was a child <laughs> in this glass case, and you could like go in and they had a name for it that I don't remember now. But and at the time, didn't think it was weird at all. And now I'm looking at your faces. I'm like, this is pretty fucking weird. I had a mummy in my high school. I mean, you you did go to a very big high school. Like my high school, had, <laughs> you're, when you talk about like the teachers' offices, we had one teachers' lounge, and that was it. Yeah. There wasn't like the history department. I went to a real big high school. We had like three mummies. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The next morning, Giles argues with Buffy about attending the dance, which eventually ends with Buffy beating him until he lets her. 
Xander wants to go to the dance as a threesome to avoid a date-like situation with Willow, which she overhears for Willow. There are, so I know a lot of guys in particular when, especially if they're trying to defend to someone else why they like Buffy. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the easy things to say is like, but I mean, Xander, you know, oh, yeah. I never really identified with Xander, even on my first run through of the show, even when mm-hmm. I was in high school. And I think... And especially when we rewatched it again, I know we had a lot of moments of, I do not remember him being this aggressive. Yeah. I don't remember him being this much of a malady, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. just a little too much fedora tipping on, on Xander's part. Yeah. And the whole unrequited love thing, what I think is really interesting about this episode is Xander's side of it, you know, him pining for Buffy, it just comes off as a little creepy as it mm. has in other episodes you guys have, yeah. have covered. And then when you compare that to Willow, Mm-hmm. Her unrequited love subplot is so much more relatable and so much yeah. more sympathetic yeah. because I think when you're that person, that's how it feels. The more of like, mm-hmm. they don't notice me, I'm invisible. And you're kind yeah. of shy about it. I think Xander's desperation is off-putting in yeah. a way they probably didn't intend. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure if they didn't intend it because I, I kind of like how Xander, even though he is to some degree likable, he's not like that great of a guy early on. He kind of like gets better as he goes and still falters a lot. But I think that's what makes him more relatable. He's like the worst side of me and Giles is like what I think of as the best side of me. At least early on. He does some stuff that's a little messed up later on. But like that's how I kind of see it. Like that's my my entry points naturally is like I want to be Giles but I feel like a lot of the time I end up being a lot more Xander. There's, I mean there are moments with Xander I love. There are aspects Mm -hmm. of this character that I think are are so great and so endearing. It was just that when I remembered because you think back on it you remember of being like, ah, oh, it's just this, you know, he's, he's in love with Buffy and she, she just doesn't get it. She doesn't see it. And all the times he gets his heart broken because of that. And you remember that stuff, but it, it really was a little jarring rewatching it of just like, I do not remember yeah. him behaving this way. Yeah, and it's really like, he's the one that's not getting it on both fronts. Cause he's the one that doesn't get it. Like, oh, she's not interested in you and she never will be. Like, there's nothing there. She's told you as much when you asked her right. flat out. And then, like, he doesn't see, like, oh, there's this girl that is actually really into me, and we already have this history and, like, chemistry, and I almost kissed her once, but then Buffy came back, so I forgot about her again completely. I will say in this scene, I don't see Xander using this to hit on Buffy at all. I think he, mm. I really take him at face value here yeah. of, he just doesn't oh, no. want this to be a date yeah, situation sure. with Willow. Oh, yeah. That part I get. I was, I'm actually thinking more, we, we kind of, we skipped the part... This is more about them in the museum when mm, she's explaining yeah. the exchange student that's going to be staying with her. Oh, yeah. Oh, He's definitely him, a lot more, like, icky jealous. And him realizing part. it's a guy. Yeah. I, I'm thinking more of that. You're right. That kind You're of right. scene. And he has other moments as the show goes mm-hmm. on where he he winds up kind of, like, punishing her for mm-hmm. things that she does not realize she did to him. And 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 again, that part yeah. of it is relatable, too. It's exactly like you said. Yeah. Like, I have had some not, some moments I think back on especially as a teenager, I am mm. not proud of. Yeah. Where I had some really shitty attitudes about like, no, you're supposed to like me because I'm the nice guy. Like, yeah. I earned that. Like, you're mm. not a person with your own agency. Don't you understand? Like, like that's... I won you. Yeah. And and yeah. I... And and there is a lot of... Yeah, I can see how Xander is... You get to, you can tell those types of stories through Xander. That that's mm-hmm. sort of his role in the show at certain points. I also find it interesting that he doesn't, and I, I think this is realistic that people would be blind to this. Buffy just doesn't like Xander. Even if Angel weren't in the picture, no yeah. matter what, she just doesn't see him that way. Yeah. And he doesn't understand that even though he has the same attitude towards Willow of, I know you love me, but I just don't 
think of you that way. That part of it's great. Mm. That like he's just so blind to yep. what that he's doing the same thing to Willow. Yeah. I love the line here. Slain entails certain sacrifices, blah, blah, bitty, blah. I'm so stuffy. Give me a scone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really. And I also love that uh, Willow in this scene has sad overalls because she's yeah. sad. Yeah, depress- <laughs> depression overalls mm-hmm. are a thing. We all need them. <laughs> Rodney is missing from school. The gang returns to the museum to search for clues. They find the broken seal and are attacked by a puffy shirt-wearing guy. Okay, a lot of questions. Uh, first of all, there's no buddy system at Sunnydale High. How did nobody notice before the next day that he didn't come back from the field trip? I mean, if anything else, where's Rodney's parents? Although well, he, is, he is a bad kid, yeah, I'm yeah, assuming yeah. his parents are not. Yeah, but it seems like extra irresponsible on Sunnydale High that like they didn't notice until the next day. Yeah. Puffy shirt guy sees the money and runs. As gang makes a run for it, Willow notices that the mummy is wearing Rodney's braces. He is now the mummy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buffy is late picking up her exchange student, Ampata, which is too bad because he's been lured into a naughty kiss. This is a, mm. this is a high waisted number he's wearing. Like the, <laughs> yeah. the pa- speaking of the Sunnydale slacks. <laughs> I think that it's funny though because you they have to do a very gender neutral. Yeah. Because sure. they know yeah. she's gonna have mm-hmm. to wear it after this. Oh, I didn't so. even think about that. Yeah. It's just it's kind of a yeah. Anyway, it reminded me a lot of really bad uh, Spanish videos I watched in high school. There was like a whole series. I forget. It was like La Katrina, I think. Oh, I think we watched um, that. Uh, th- was there a weird guy with a trench coat early on? Whoa. <laughs> I smell where they were. They were <laughs> not a trench coat like that. No, no. <laughs> where it was like two American I mean, students we went to joke. Mexico <laughs> and then there were two Mexican students and they became yes. friends. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. we watched the same yeah one. La Katrina. That's what that reminded me of. Like kind of weirdly generic like we're all relatable to everyone outfits that just like nobody actually dresses like that. That's the khakis, the Oxford shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. When Buffy arrives, she's greeted by a beautiful South American girl. This girl is hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next day at school, Cordy has a new beau, Devin. He's the lead singer of Dingo's Ate My Baby. Mm-hmm. And we meet Oz for the first time. Aww. See, Oz I liked. Oz I was a character Oz. that I, I... I was not as comfortable in my own skin as he is. Like, Oz right. kind of has it all figured out. Yeah. But yeah, you know, he plays in a band. He was more He yeah. was more my speed. I kind that I identified with Oz a lot more than... I love Oz. I, my problem with Oz is that he's just, like, too good. Like... I would love to know Oz in real life. As a character on the show, I feel like until he becomes a werewolf, there's just not enough to his character to make him really interesting to me. He just seems like, oh, that's a cool guy that would be cool to hang out with. He's really nice. Like, he's just a little mysterious at this point until mm. he becomes more of a Scooby gang. He becomes a werewolf. He has some moments with mm-hmm. Willow where he loses his temper, where she hurts him. Yeah. Until then, to me, he's just kind of mysterious, which makes me like him all the more. I Plus, know, I-, I, as previously mentioned like a million times, love Willow. So the fact that he loves Willow just in He does have good taste. I can give him that. But it does just seem like, especially since it's Seth Green, I'm like, well, I know you're not going to be a bad guy. So it's like, it's not the kind of mystery you can pull off with like an angel character. Although, granted, I didn't think they did a great job with that. Where it's like, a little bit mysterious. But it's more just like, oh, we haven't talked to him yet. I forgot What's the long deal? game and Oz and Willow actually talking. I, I do like that. Take, that I, I like that it takes yeah. forever. Like, yeah. again, it's just whetting my appetite of who is this guy? What's going on here? <laughs> Later, Giles asks Ampata to translate the mummy's seal... She tells him that legend says there is a bodyguard who protects the mummy from those who would this harm This is her. crazy. I would, <laughs> yeah. If I were her, I would lie my ass off. Like, hey, can yeah. you translate this? Uh, what's this word? 
pancakes. <laughs> I think we need to eat a lot of pancakes, right? Is that? I think that's what this says. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, yeah. I, or, I mean, more realistically, yeah. if she were just like, this thing's very dangerous if it's left intact. You got to turn this thing into dust. Yeah. So that then I, it would have been nice later yeah. on if once they realized what was actually going on, it was like, oh shit, she played us. That thing we yeah. destroyed was what we need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she plays them a little bit. She lies. But it's like very timid where it's like, you should hide this. And then she's like, well, I guess you should destroy this. It's like, you could, you could do more, especially when they're literally handing you this. And what saying, is this? Here, say? translate this, which I also have to mention. That's like super racist, right? <laughs> Anyone from South America speaks ancient Incan. That's super racist. <laughs> Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> That'd be like if, if somebody was like, oh, you're from Chicago. Here, let me give you this old Algonquin uh, uh, pottery and see if you can translate it. I'm like, what? No, that's insane. You, go away. You and I love how up? both Buffy and Giles are just assume that, oh, well, yep, she yeah. must speak ancient Incan. I mean, they ask. They don't demand. But they assume. They assume. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not like... And I think even just if it was one line of like, oh, like what region? That would even be a little bit better. But it's like they literally only describe her as being from South America and assume she speaks ancient Incan. Lucky for them, she does. Yeah. I wonder if the real Impata did. I doubt it. Because, yeah. I mean, like, she does, she does because yeah. she she's literally shit? from that yeah, time. Exactly. No, they really look at this is yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, this is one of the big things in this, one of the huge contrivances in this episode. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot about this episode where I'm just like, nobody is on their A game here. Like, Giles yeah. and Buffy, are, it takes them way too long to figure out yeah. what's going on. This is no, this is no one's finest hour. Yeah. Yeah. Xander volunteers to show Ampata around. They're clearly super into each other. Mm-hmm. And he shows her how to shovel a Twinkie into her mouth. Too easy. The joke's there. Too easy. Now you try. <laughs> now you show me. How much can you get in your mouth? So you... <laughs> I miss that. You <laughs> totally miss that. You hate Twinkies. I hate Twinkies. Twinkies for me are something that... It's like McDonald's where mm. I, th- I feel... No, no, no. I, I think it's going to be like McDonald's where I'm always like, you eat it and then you go like, oh, that's why I don't eat McDonald's. Yeah. Twinkies, I always think they're going to disappoint me. They never do. No, <laughs> I'm awful. fine with Twinkies. I, 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 I've always been weirdly neutral on Twinkies. It's not like they disgust me, but I'm never like, oh, I really need a Twinkie. I'm, I've never had a craving for a Twinkie. Well, maybe back in high school when I was snorting, you know, ancient mummy dust <laughs> off my <laughs> artifacts, but... Oh, that is true. Mm-mm. No, uh, I like ho-hos and zebra cakes, not Twinkies. Yeah. I mean, I'd take those over Twinkies. I was big into zebra cakes in high school. One uh, interesting thing I found out in uh, research is that both Nicholas Brendan and, uh, what's her name, the guest actress, um, they both ate about 10 Twinkies each to oh. do this scene. Oh, so that's too many. Yeah. <laughs> so, so don't do that. I would throw up. I mean, yeah. no. That is commitment, though, like, to actually, like, shove 10 t- Twinkies in your mouth. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of, oh, so Twinkies, would that remind me of someone was just telling me that like you know oreos are very popular a snack i feel like if you're vegetarian oh, yeah. or because there's nothing yeah. in them you know what's really weird is that oreos are vegetarian uh sorry oreos are vegan vegan yeah mini oreos are not even vegetarian because they have gelatin oh wow well it's the, weird why would they make this different something in like the miniaturization process you need gelatin to hold it together or else it would just be unstable i just think it's so crazy that like they have a cream filling. And there is no absolutely cream. But there's no dairy. nothing. There's no dairy. Yeah. Like, I should probably not eat those. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so Willow's jealous of Ampata. 
Notice here that she's spinning a stuffed frog. Anybody else notice that? Willow has frog fear. Oh. That is weird. Yeah. Like later on, she's scared of frogs, and here she's just playing with a toy. Maybe that's like her way of getting over Confronting the Confronting it, yeah. yeah. I did have a, a roommate that was scared of frogs. Uh, actually, Kate was is scared of frogs. Oh, and <laughs> used to collect frogs for that reason. Oh, so that makes perfect sense. There you go. Wow. Giles figures out that the mummy, mummy killed Rodney. The bodyguard attacks Xander and Ampata. They run back to the library where Ampata insists that they destroy the seal. Buffy must return to the museum to find the other pieces of the seal and must therefore miss the dance. The dance that Xander, by the way, is untaking Ampata on a date. I kind of, uh, I think this is a good time to mention both the bodyguard, or don't th- he never gets a name, right? He's just the bodyguard. Nah. Uh, and Ampata are both really bad at what they're trying to do. Like, he just, like, seems to, like, run at you, right. try to stab you, like, once or twice, and then, like, just stop. And then she is terrible at covering up crime. Like, she does an okay job with, like, the kid putting him in the mummy place instead yeah. of her. But then after that, she's just traveling around with a dead body. I know. She does not try to cover her tracks well at all. The part, I, well and then even when the show says that she did like the, she kills, when she, isn't it him that she kills in the bathroom? The yeah, bodyguard, the, yeah. yeah. How, and then she leaves the bathroom and goes walking away with Xander. Yeah. She just left him in there. Like, it, That's like what, never... maybe she put him in a stall, but and like I, you're gonna find that real right. quickly. Yeah. And it's gonna be like, oh, let's look for ladies who have magical powers because he's in the girl's restroom. Like, that's a weird... <laughs> Place to leave a dead body. <laughs> I just, I mean, let's talk about your long-term goals. Like, you share yeah. a thing. Maybe after kissing Rodney, you shared his lack of long-term goals. Like, I would understand it's if like you were like... Oh, that's kind of... That's cool. <laughs> she takes on the characteristics. I would understand if you were like, great, I'm now a walking mummy. I gotta get out... I want to see the world, but I gotta yeah. get out of town. Because mm-hmm. once they find this body, I'm fucked. Yeah. yeah. But you're gonna keep going to school and keep going to the right, dance right. and keep... And I, you want to be a normal teenage girl, but... She also acclimates herself to the modern world. Well, I think the explanation for that is that they imply... And when I, when I first watched this again, I literally had the reaction of, like, they're not really implying this. But with the editing in the, in the first uh, shot of the mummies and they're at the museum... They imply, I think, that she can see and hear everything yeah. that's going on around oh, her that's right. when she's a mummy. Um, which but still, I understand for the plot, but when I first like noticed that's what they're trying to suggest with the editing, I was like, no. They're not trying to suggest that the mummy is listening. So first of they're all, trying that's to suggest, true, and yeah. you've been laying there immobile for mm-hmm. however many years. You wake up and you're a crazy person. You're yeah. a crazy person. Yeah, you are. And then, but then even if... You- all, your worldview has been that, you mm-hmm. know, like you still walk out and there are cars and like, yeah. and all, there's just all sorts of things that she has no reaction to. And I understand that we don't maybe yeah. have a lot of screen time for that, but it's. And they kind of do a little bit of like, oh, your kitchen is so nice. But that's kind of it. Like, she's never has yeah, that's any That's a other... normal thing that a guest in your house would say. I mean, that's yeah. not, to me, that did not come off as yeah. loud. I think they were, like, kind of playing it like she was, like, a little too impressed. But If there were just yeah. a few more moments of mm-hmm. the way she's used to the world working yeah. versus the way... Just a couple. Like, yeah. we don't need an entire episode of that. And the mm-hmm. only... My other major bugaboo with the episode... <laughs> It's just, I really wish they had made, since we don't see very much of the bodyguard and he doesn't really register as a character, oh boy, do I wish they tried to make him look just a little bit cooler. Again, it looks very much like something out of La Katrina. And, I mean, like, some sort of explanation of, like, did he come to life when the yeah. money came to life? Or is he life? just always yeah. hanging around? Or is he, like... Or is it passed the- down... Mm-hmm. 
Because, yeah, I was, I was trying and, to figure yeah, out. Yeah, because then how would he recognize her? Is it like a memory transfer? Like, yeah. Or like he's the not centurion from Doctor Who yeah. that he's just been An sure immortal, yeah. waiting there. Yeah, it's, yeah, that would have been nice to get some explanation of that. As she gets ready for the dance, Ampata tells Buffy the story of the Incan princess, who was, quote-unquote, chosen, and had to sacrifice being a, quote-unquote, normal teenage girl to save her people. Hey, that sounds familiar. This is the moment I was waiting for, yeah. like, because they spend so much time with her and Xander, which I understand, but, mm-hmm. like, it almost feels like the whole subplot of this girl is going to be devoted to that and the whole time I'm thinking, like, wait, 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 but there's so much... You set up that, like, she has this obvious parallel with Buffy. Right, and then here's the scene where it finally mm-hmm. it finally pays off. And the, the really great thing about this scene is I like that they're both hiding stuff. Yeah. yeah. Buffy has to rush in to shut the door mm-hmm. of weapons. She has the, the Inca mummy girl has to hide the trunk with the dead body yeah. in it. They've both got this, you know, secret life mm-hmm. that they're they're keeping from the other. It's good mm-hmm. stuff. My only problem with this scene is that if you really think about it, when she, um, she says, oh, you remind me of the Inca princess as a compliment, that's really conceited. Like, hey, you remind me of me. I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, like, if it, I mean, this similar to the way that, like, even though Oz is a werewolf, he ends up being their friends and they figure mm-hmm. out a way to, like, make that work. I feel like if she came clean, yeah. I'm going to end up being their buddy. Like, she and Buffy could have talked about, like, hey, doesn't this suck sometimes? Yeah. It's interesting yeah. that the sacrifices they're both talking about making in order to be there, like, is it, you know, for the mummy girl, it, it's selfish in the way that it, mm-hmm. she, it requires her to kill innocent yeah. people. Unless she develops some Dexter-like moral code about, yeah. like, oh, <laughs> maybe only yeah. I'll kill all the bad guys for you. <laughs> and if she could do that on, like, vampires? <laughs> right, exa- right? That would be awesome. She'd be, like, the living containment unit from Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Sucking keep them all in there. <laughs> And then, but then on the flip side, you know, Buffy, it's very selfless stuff. It's about yeah. saving people. So it's, it's a cool dynamic. Yeah. And it's like the, the, the thing of like Buffy chooses to like make the sacrifice and Empata had it chosen for her and what that kind of does to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I would also like to point out that Buffy is wearing her sad overalls. <laughs> yep. Because she can't go to the dance. The overalls just tell us everything we need to know in this episode. <laughs> yeah. And chart where everybody's at based on. <laughs> So, where did Ampata get this dress? I mean, like, she looks gorgeous. It's a great dress. But if, supposedly, she's been wearing Ampata boys' clothes. I, I imagine it was either they, like, bought it specifically for this, like, dance get-together, everybody dressed, like, different cultures thing. But yeah, I don't, I don't assume, like, she brought it with her. Like, you like, think she went shopping after school? Yeah. Okay. I, that makes yeah. sense. That's I, have, you, I like, or, like the, Buffy had a dress that she was able to wear. The synergy between the museum, the school, because this whole, like, the... Yeah. The town-wide <laughs> diversity <laughs> right. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that would take a lot to uh, pull off. At the dance, which is at the bronze... Again, <laughs> a school got... function at a club. They're like, wait, Buffy's coming to a dance? It's not at the school. Don't have it at the school. This <laughs> yeah. would 100% be in the gym. Yeah. It's Dingo's first performance on Buffy, right? The vocals. The It's such 90s <laughs> oh, vocals. God, yeah. It's like every 90s band. Uh, and even the name is, is like such like a like yeah. clever 90s name. <laughs> Although, but a really horrible thing that happened. <laughs> yeah. That actually yeah, happened. Yeah, <laughs> Willow is in her super authentic Eskimo costume. I love this. I like that she can't turn her head. She's got the Batman cowl yep. thing. Yes. She has to turn her whole the body. superhero yep. turn. Yeah. <laughs> 
Giles found out that the bodyguard's real purpose was to make sure the mummy didn't waken. But then why did Impata lie to them? They check her luggage and find boys' clothes and a mummified boy to go in them. She Buffy found those clothes earlier and just doesn't right and doesn't I just think she's kind of a tomboy. Yeah. Maybe yeah. yeah. I just, there's a lot of moments of like stuff that should be clicking into place a lot sooner than it does. Especially honestly, the second you see the mummy with braces on it, it's like yeah. so that's that kid. So whatever was yeah. in there before is somewhere else now. Yeah. We should be on the lookout for and like you should also be like not to be racist, but like there's a bunch of new people. We don't know any of these people. Maybe they should be on our top list of suspects. Right. Like that would make an interesting a, a episode. Like, racial in, profiling. In the same way that like puppet show, she goes around, she yeah. interviews the different talent show contestants. This would have been interesting if she went around and interviewed the different exchange students because we only mm-hmm. really see two. Yeah, and although mm-hmm. I love the the payoff of the whole Sven thing, it does seem like a yeah. bit of a wasted opportunity where you could like have lots of like weird wacky bits of like people from uh, around the world and like maybe they see something Buffy-ish and mm. yeah, just like a little thing you could have done. That would have been really cool. Yeah. So back at the bronze, Oz notices Willow, which is a fun moment <laughs> yeah. if you're really into Who's that. Who's that girl? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy when I see that. Oh, uh, that's that. I I do. I can I can appreciate how corny that line reading is because it's it's effective enough that I, I can forgive it. One and I, I forgot to mention this earlier. One line reading that I kind of can't forgive is earlier on when uh, Xander tells Willow, "You know what, Willow, you're my best friend." It's for some reason that line, maybe it's the structure of the line itself. It just seems so unnatural. Like you don't actually say that in that way. I don't think maybe if you're friends with Tommy Wiseau, I'm about to exactly. say that's what it sounds like to me is the room. It's like, you're my best friend. Let's toss around the football. Oh, hey, Willow. <laughs> oh, hi, I'm Pada. <laughs> I think this line reading with us, I'm okay with only because throughout, you know, the first season and these mm-hmm. couple episodes in season two you feel so bad for Willow that's exactly yeah. what it is that when this Finally. cute boy yeah. someone yeah. else is yeah. noticing just how adorable mm-hmm. and great she is you're like yes yeah yeah. and we're like pretty sure it's not like a monster we're pretty we're certain it's not a vampire because he's been in the sunlight that's sure. how we establish him so it's like oh good like she's got somebody and it's the whole gonna... band they turn into dingoes and they eat babies <laughs> <laughs> they're just hiding in plain sight <laughs> They told us oh. all the time we didn't listen. We didn't it listen. <laughs> I'm just imagining now Buffy Dingo makeup, how weird that would be. Oh. <laughs> so Xander and Impata dance. This is definitely like the hottest Xander has looked in this uh, yeah. cowboy garb. He's like, oh, no, this is I forgot good. to mention, this is great. And there's even, yeah. so he's dressed like the man with no name. Mm-hmm. And there's even the line about, like, I'm from Leone. Leone. And the joke about it's in, it's, it's in, in Italy, Italy, but the, but they say it's in Montana. Made to look like yeah. Montana. Yeah. Which is the fistful of dollars. Good. With spaghetti Plenty Westerns. Sword. Well, we got a lot to do. <laughs> we <laughs> yes. got some homework. <laughs> For visual reference, there's a blank look on oh, my face. Okay. I don't um, know what's going uh, on. You know, uh, Back to the Future? Uh, in Back to the Future Part 2, Biff's watching a movie with Clint Eastwood. When Marty gets the idea to use the bulletproof vest. Okay. Wait, you don't remember that part? No. Nope. Oh. I've only seen Part 2 once. Wow. Oh, wow. I've seen Parts 1 and 3 all the time. Huh. Remember, you huh. and I watched Part 2 together. That was the first time you'd seen it? First and only. Whoa, 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 what? This happens a lot with us, but I did not remember Back to the Future 2 as one of those movies. Huh. And it's, but you've seen 3 a lot. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the weird. one that's always on TV. Wow. Wow. I think we're just, we're just <laughs> so shocked now. I don't know how we could go on this episode. <laughs> and that's interesting that that line has a reference, because to me yeah. it was just like this character he made up in his head. Oh, oh. okay. 
No, yeah, it is. A, it's a it's a great yeah. look. I like when Cordelia tells Sven to to go get her punch, and her yeah. exact words are "get punchy." Seems like that could have gone another way. <laughs> <laughs> you don't okay. need to you asked for it. Why is everyone so mad? <laughs> You know why he did it? Because he was on PCP. (laughs) Absolutely. That's what happens. You have to be careful. So Ampata's life force is waning. She needs another fix. She's a temp... (laughs) Not PCP. (laughs) (laughs) She attempts to lure Jonathan in for a kiss. Is this the first time you've met Jonathan? I was going to ask you guys. I thought... He was he was uh, he was in some other episode, and I think we we said that episode like, oh, is this the first time we see Jonathan? And and because the running joke for a long time is that he he's always the kid that almost gets killed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, and this yeah, which is so great. Yeah, and he just looks so sad, dressed up as like crocodile hunter Jonathan, and he's just all alone on the stairs, oh. and it's like, oh no, honey, this is just this is like probably your first kiss, and it's gonna be a mummy kiss. I, I love that they did this because this is one of those details that when you're watching a show week to week, mm-hmm. you know, in its original run, how many people would even have noticed? Yeah. Oh, I think that's the same kid who almost got mm-hmm. killed by the blank. But like, yeah. but now when you go back and, and binge watch it or whatever, it's just like, I'll be damned. That, yeah. That's so great. Jonathan in this episode makes me think of one Halloween because everyone's dressed up in costume. So yeah. it's, I know it's not Halloween, but it, it looks like it. There was one Halloween. I think it was sixth grade. It was my first. We, I, we had just moved to a new town, oh. so I was the new kid in school, and I didn't have any friends. And I dressed up in this witch costume and went to the Halloween dance. They used to take group pictures in front of a mural, and you'd like you'd buy tickets to get your picture taken. Somehow, I must have won a raffle to win a free picture. Mm. No one would get their picture taken with me, <gasps> so I took <laughs> took my picture with the two English teachers. But I even had to convince them because they're like, "Are you sure? Go oh. find a friend." I'm like, "No, please, let's." Let's, let's do it. I like in hindsight, I should have just thrown that ticket away. I'm like yeah. fuck this. What were you dressed as? A witch. You know, like when you were in elementary school on Halloween, you could come in costume. Yeah. There was one year when I was in fourth grade where I decided I want. Oh, speed! Oh my gosh, this is crazy. But not okay. So not to- exactly a Viking, but a, a barbarian. Sure. And um, I didn't get a store bought barbarian costume. Nice. I had to like I'd make one, and I waited like w- way last minute when I made this decision. I was going to be a barbarian, and my mom was like, "Well, do you, should we go out and look for something?" I'm like, "I've got everything I need right here." She's like, "What are you talking? I don't think so." And, uh, and I did not. And so what I did, I did have a plastic sword. I had that. And then the other thing I had was like a, fer- a pet ferret. So. <laughs> I had like a yellow, uh, like a, a, or a blonde Rod Stewart wig. <laughs> and it was kind of like a mullet. And it was, it, and I thought, well, that'll work. Barbarians have long hair. So I'll put on my, the, the Rod Stewart sassy wig. Why did you have that wig? We had a lot of random, weird, like silly stuff. I thought you just loved Rod Stewart. Just like in a talk, my mom did. So maybe that's put this on. <laughs> And, uh, and so I had that, and then because, like, Barbarians mm. in, like, in, you know, in Conan and all those movies, mm. it's, like, it's a lot of browns and grays yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff. So I just took brown construction paper and, like, <laughs> taped it to, like, a tank top and shorts. It, it, I, there, no one could have guessed <laughs> I was going as a crazy person, is what, I, is what I went to school as. It was like, I was on PCP. And so, <laughs> so I walk in. And it was mainly the stupid ass wig that everybody, everyone had a big reaction to. And, uh, and I'll never forget, like, so they were taking pictures of everyone in their costumes. And it was like, all right, we're going to take pictures of all the boys in their costumes. And then we're going to take pictures of all the girls. And so it's like, okay, girls, come on, we're going to take a picture of the girls. And this kid named Ty kind of elbowed me. He's like, well, Chris, 
Oh. And that's when I realized, like, oh, I look like a woman. Oh. <laughs> I look like a fancy lady who doesn't know how to dress herself. Oh. I might have to get something else for trick-or-treating tonight. Oh. Oh. I remember my saddest uh, Halloween costume story is probably, I don't know, maybe 6th, 7th grade. I went as a crayon box, which is actually a really delightfully simple costume because uh, there's just these kind of toy boxes that they were selling at Target or something that looked like giant crayon boxes. So all I did was get two of those and basically like staple them together oh, nice. and cut out the holes for like, my arms and my head. And I was a big old crayon box. Nice. Problem is I didn't really uh, account for leg movement properly. Oh, no. So I was that kid who was just you know, toddling around like, guys, wait for me. It was the saddest thing. Oh, no. Uh, so Xander interrupts Jonathan and Empata just in time, but he kisses her instead. She starts killing him, but she pulls away just before she can... Do the deed. She senses Giles repairing the seal and rushes to stop him. Buffy arrives and she and Willow rush off just as Oz tries to talk to her. Mm. They find Xander backstage and go to the museum. Ampada arrives and destroys the seal and then fights with Buffy. She locks Buffy and Giles in the crypt. Mm -hmm. What's it called? Tomb. Casket. Sure. Sarcophagus. Yeah, that's the word. Thank you. Uh, Ampada tries to kill Willow, but Xander stops her. Just as she's about to kiss Xander, she hits her expiration date and permanently mummifies. I mean, this is a good moment yeah. for Xander. I think he yeah. he shows heartbroken very well mm-hmm. here. I feel sorry for this him. This was a great, yeah, it's a great scene. Great. Nicholas Brennan does a very good yeah. job. The, here. the way he steps in and says, mm-hmm. like, you, you got it. Yeah, yeah. like he... Should, if anyone, it, it should be me, so do yeah. it if you can. He mm-hmm. endears me by sticking up for Willow, and mm-hmm. then just his, his performance here, very when solid. this, you know, the first girl that loves him dies... Not in his arms, but kind of. It's it's rough. She kind of re-dies in his arms and then is torn off from Yeah, also her that's arms. just gross. Yeah. That is awesome. Just you know what gross. it made me think of too is like so if she was like in pieces and she gets mummified, and then if you like broke the seal again, would she be back but in pieces? Because yeah. that would be an awesome way to up. leave her. <laughs> it's just <laughs> just an extra salt on the wound moment of like we defeated you and Bingo, bango, put this back together, and she's just like a puddle of a person. Yeah. Well, it also seems like, and I'm sure there's something in the magic that uh, would explain this, but it seems like really what they should have done, the ancient Incans, is like, okay, we're going to turn this to mummy, then we're going to break the seal and just close their sarcophagus, because you need to feed on people to demummify. Right. We're just going to wait for that to stop being an issue, which is apparently only two days. Not even, I mean, like, a half hour. Like, she has to, this is a regular thing, yeah. she has to keep up, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. If only she had taken Jonathan to the murder alley, then everything <laughs> would have been fine. Wouldn't have been fine. No one ever looks there. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they just fuck up this whole exhibit. I mean, they're just trashing this room as they yeah. fight. And then when it's all said and done, and like, oh, everybody's okay, we're all good, and they all just very casually stroll out. Well, it's clear nobody cares about this museum. There's no janitorial no, staff, nothing. no security, nothing. They can just See, It's the same really janitorial go. staff as the high school. Exactly. It's, it's, the, so it's the same crazy. group. It's just like, all right, we fucked this place up pretty yeah. good. Who's, who's hungry? Yeah. <laughs> And all they all they had to do was like show like Empata just like knocking out one guard, and I would have been like, okay, that yeah. happened. There was a guard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like museums don't aren't just like open all the time for anybody to just like go and put together a plate. Did they pick a lock? How did they even get in? Yeah. I assume they're not like open that late. Mm-hmm. One more uh, dorky thing. Uh, this is the fifth episode of the series to feature no vampires. Cool. Only three more then in the whole run. Well, because you have to remember like. 
Angel or Spike are always like oh, characters. Oh, oh. So even in the, uh, the, right. the, the, I was going to say in that case, I was about to be like, "Wow, we've already hit five and we're yeah. okay." But that I, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's most common for the no vampire episodes to be like the early one-offs, which I feel also kind of explains why Buffy's off her game. It seems like when it's some like kid at the school type of thing, she doesn't seem to really put in as much effort as with like vampire threats. She seems real on the ball with that, but then it's like. Some Frankenstein guy. I guess we'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean, he just killed Rodney, and fuck that guy. He's it was weird. <laughs> yeah, that guy was weird. Weird people deserve to die. Yeah, I think I'm that's saying. the message of this yeah. this episode. That's so is that is that our really lesson? what they're getting across? Yeah, I don't think this is like a terrible episode. It's just kind of forgettable. Um, and you know, when you're looking back over the whole series, this is definitely not one that that jumps out at me. But in general, I'm also not as big a fan of the monster of the week stuff as you are i don't hate it you know don't get me wrong i just it's and i think a lot of that and this is mostly because of the way we watched it the last time Mm. we went through the show which is watching it all back to back to back because if you're watching one episode a week then i i don't think that's as big a factor but it's interesting that because of the way television and the way we consume television has evolved since buffy was on the air and now we're so much more used to, at least, you know, you and I, most of the shows we watch are 13 episode seasons. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is just from a different era yeah. where when we went through it, I think I, I made it, you know, I even said to you, I was like, I can really see how every single season they've got like 13 really strong episodes that you could just sort of streamline mm-hmm. like the through line for each season and condense it to that because more than ever, the, a lot of it felt like filler to me mm-hmm. going through mm-hmm. it. But again, that's really just when you're watching it the way that we watch TV now. Yeah. This is just, fun. this is what it was then. And this is, I don't know if this would be another obstacle for people that are just trying to get into, into the show now. And again, there are some amazing Monster of the Week episodes. There are definitely yeah. highlights. But, um, in general, now as an adult, like as I, when I go back and rewatch this stuff, I tend to be way more interested in, in the mythology episodes are the ones that are really pushing the season long arc forward. I actually, I think this is a total monster of the week win. Really? Yeah. I I, like this in terms of the monster of the week episodes, the one-offs, this is one of my favorites. Oh wow. I think that the mummy is both sympathetic and scary. I like her. I don't want her to have to kiss people. I'm mad that she does because I can, I mean, if she didn't have to do that, I could see her sticking around and being a love interest for Xander. I think there's a lot of character building moments for everybody. We see a lot with Willow and Xander and the parallels between the mummy and Buffy, I think is really interesting. And I like that it furthers the trend of Xander dating monsters only. That is, oh, that yeah, is a nice true. through line. I think I would have, if there had been more than one scene between Buffy and and the mummy mm-hmm. in terms of exploring the parallels yeah. and how they both respond to, mm-hmm. if that had kind of been what this episode, when all was said and done was about, and I'm not saying get rid of the Xander stuff wholesale. Cause that yeah. that's, that's one of the best parts of the episode is mm-hmm. the final, you know, standoff between Xander and the mummy. But if there had been more between just that, exactly what I said, just the parallels between Buffy mm-hmm. and the mummy, I think I would have responded better to, to this episode. Yeah, I think maybe if they had had more time to explore some of the stuff that was really cool about the episode, I think that's the biggest problem I have with it, is that there's lots of really cool things to do, and they don't really have enough time to do all of them. Mm. Like, just cut the bodyguard, and you could have, like, you know, maybe five more minutes of, like, cool stuff to do with Empata, and they could still just be like, we're looking for a mummy, and they're not going to expect that it looks like a hot teenage girl right. looking for a mummy. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I agree. 
Now it's time to celebrate Buffy's badassery with this week's Slay of the Week. Chris, as our guest, would you like to go first? Let me make sure I'm clear on the rules of this. Now, is this any death in the any episode? Death. Or it, it not specifically something Buffy does? Correct. Well, then I think this I think is going to be an easy one. Be. <laughs> Obviously, for me, it's it's the annoying one. That's, yeah. oh. that's it. For sure. If, the, if it had to be specifically one that Buffy did, it would have been in School Hard where the, when she swings at the vampire with the axe yeah. and then the pan down to reveal that he's already got the stake in yeah. him. That's the one that I've got. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Shit. You're fine. Yeah. No, I actually I agree with Chris. Uh, that's in, that's exactly the breakdown. Is like, Anointed One's death, by far my favorite. But if I had to stick to Buffy, that one with the, the fake out, um, which... I'm actually glad uh, uh, we're doing the Slay of the Week because I forgot to mention that. And I thought that was a really cool it's part awesome. of that that whole finale. Great. Cool. Yeah. So that's the easiest Slay of the Week. A three-way agreement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. So I guess now we can do the international title roundup. Uh, most of the Inky... Inka, inky. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was one of the uh, titles. Inky. The inky. Inky Mummy Girl. Was that the giant squid episode? That was so good. <laughs> but for Inca Mummy Girl, there's uh, the Finnish title Inca Mummy as one word, uh, and the German title Secret of the Mummy, which is again more of a Doctor Who title than a Buffy title. For School Hard, there's some decent ones. The Finnish one is Tough School. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a tough day at school. Yeah, and then uh, for the Brazilian Portuguese title, The School of Tough. The school. What? <laughs> Uh, but I think the topper, once again, Germany really bringing it home for us. Love Parent teacher conference with obstacles. Oh, it's so- <laughs> <laughs> I wish every episode title was that literal. <laughs> I mean, just so bland. Not, I mean, obstacles are just a very yeah. mild way of putting it. <laughs> obstacles. That like, sounds more like an episode summary. Yeah, it sounds, exactly. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like the one-line description you'd get on your, yeah. your TV guy. Uh, I just want to rename every episode like that now. It's like Inca Mama Girls, a woman who is also a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> there is a girl who turns invisible. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sunnydale Stacks to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher, and join us next time when we dust off Reptile Boy and Halloween when we get lost in the Sunnydale Stacks.